that is trying to help us remember things and get them into our brain so we've got something that we can hold on to and we can uh, speak out clearly. Uh, just this week I was reading an article in the paper about some of the best known lines out of movies and why they stick in our memory. Uh, who can think of what some of the uh, most famous Australian one-liners are out of Aussie films? They had them broken up into Australian films and world-renowned films. Uh, what do you reckon, uh, Karen? That's not a knife, yeah, by Crocodile Dundee. That came in uh, number three. Ben. Oh, no, that wasn't on there, but it's a good one. It's a good one. It's the vibe. Actually, the castle is in there, but that's not the one from the castle. Can anyone think what the castle one is? Not a house, it's a home, no. No. Tell him he's dreaming. That's it. That was the one. Can I tell you, though, look at how many came out of the castle, just like that. There's a whole lot of them in there, isn't it? But that was... Uh, Tell him he's dreaming that was number five. Who thinks they know what number one was? Make my day. No, that would have been Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's in the other list. Uh, the world ones, just Australian ones, Australian films. Let me tell you what it was. That'll do, pig. That'll do. Oh, from Babe, number one. How's that? That'll do, pig. That'll do. People don't even know that one. That's it. It's crazy, isn't it? Uh, but they did that, they stick with them. What about um, world ones? What about movies uh, from outside of that? What do you think might have been some of the ones? You can't handle two. Yes! That is it. Uh, that was uh, number 12. A Few Good Men. Uh, remember that one? That's very good, Bob. Very good. Well done. Well done. Show me the money. Uh, Jerry Maguire. Yes, that's there. Uh, it was number, that was number two on their list. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. And no, they didn't give a damn about that one. They didn't get on the list. They didn't make it. Uh, one or two more. Who else can pick one, Benjamin? No. What was that from? Oh, that was from um, Every Which Way. Yeah, with the orangutan. That's right. I was just thinking it. Oh, the back's not actually on there, but you would have thought it would have been. Their top one was May the Force Be With You from Star Wars. Uh, and uh, their last one they had on there was My Precious from the Lord of the Rings um, which the Hobbit's coming out at the end of the year so don't miss it it's going to be a great one it's going to be a fantastic film uh, but they're interesting aren't they that they stick in our memory and uh, different people had different ones that stuck in their memory but I wonder how many, many Bible verses you can say like that it's a challenge isn't it uh, we see films and they stick there. You get the castle and we can probably quote nine or ten out of that. It's interesting, no Life of Brian ones were there. I would have been able to quote the whole film for you. Uh, but, you know, different ones like that. We've got them there, don't we? We stick them, they stay there. But what about Bible verses? Well, in this article they went through to talk about how they make them stick, uh, which was probably helpful but not didn't make much difference really to me. But I think the, clean, the thing that came out of it was to me was that we can remember these things from movies they can be funny and they can be there, but in the end, they're not life-changing, are they? But God's Word is life-changing. So we need to get them in here so that we can come out like Bob and say, you can't handle the truth. But you can say, Jesus says, whatever, or God says. 
And so that's what we're doing. In verses to hang your life on, we're going to get some Bible verses into our heads so that we can say them as clearly as that. So who can tell me what was the very first one? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Amy. Almost, but you've got to get it right. <laughs> it would have been no good if Bob had said, you can't handle that. I'm not sure what the next word was. Truth! And it wouldn't have the same impact with it. But no, good, Amy, you're in the right ballpark. Who can actually quote it exactly for me, Betty? Are you going to read it? No! What is that? This is how it comes from here, Okay. Who's got it? Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Karen Mormon was placing little tags all around the school this week for Genesis 1, 27. Uh, Not quite. Scheme them. Okay, you've got to get it, guys, okay? Let's start thinking about it. Well done, Dan. That's it. It's a nice little passage, though, isn't it? It's uh, good for us to have it in our minds, so let's uh, get that one there. All right? Uh, Genesis 1.27. Start thinking. And remember last week, it is a fantastic verse because out of that, we can talk into the world about a whole lot of things that the world's talking about today. Okay, about how male and female together, there's equality, but there's difference about how there is no difference. Everyone is of value and significant, that there is no one of more value than anyone else. So any type of racism, sexism, ageism, anything like that's got to be gone. And we are people who are to be treating everyone equally and loving them equally because everyone has God's image, are created in his image. Some people's image is a lot clouded than others, but everyone is. It's a great verse, isn't it? And it's a really helpful verse when we're talking into the world about what's going on at the moment. So what we're going to do today is we're going to move to a new verse. It's Genesis chapter 12. And it's actually three verses, and it's 1 through to 3 of Genesis chapter 12. So what we're going to do is I'm going to, give you a, I'm going to make it a bit of a cheat for you this time. So if you can get the whole lot, that'll be great. But at the end of today, I'm going to give you a summary of it that I think will be really helpful for you to put it together. Because Genesis chapter one, chapter 12, verses 1 to 3 is what you would call a programmatic verse for the Bible. Uh, does anyone know what programmatic means? It's in the program. Sort of. Programmatic means it sets the agenda, basically, for the rest of what's going to happen. So sometimes in a film or a book, you'll get like a statement or a line, and then it'll develop that and move that through the rest of the the book or the, the play or the whatever you got in it. It's called programmatic. And it's in it's Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, are programmatic for the rest of the Bible. If you understand Genesis 12, 1 to 3, you'll actually understand the story of the Bible. Okay? Because it basically sets up what God is going to do for the rest of the Bible. It'll take you back into what happened in Genesis 1 through to 3. To, to 11, and it'll take you forward as well for what's going to do. So it is a very important verse for us to understand, a great verse to hang your life on. Today you're going to have to do a little bit of thinking with me. You're not just going to have to listen to me. You have to think a bit today. That might be a challenge for some of us on Sunday morning. But you have to think because we're going to try and show you how this works this way through. I'm going to do a whole, I'm not going to do every little bit for you, but I'm going to try and show you how this verse is almost what the rest of the Bible hangs on. It's like the thread that runs all the way through. 
So Betty's going to come out and she's going to read Genesis chapter 12 and she's going to go from 1 to 9 because the verses after 3 sort of elaborate a little bit on what 1 to 3 are all about. But uh, just see as you go through 1 to 3 why this might be programmatic, why this might be the thread that the rest of the Bible hangs on. And if you understand this, you'll be able to understand and interpret a whole lot of the Bible because you've got to fit it in and see how God is working out what he says here. Okay? Genesis 12, verses 1 to 9. Betty, if you could come and read that for us, that would be great. Uh, you like our nice little bit of adaption up here with the... The call of Abram. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sari, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram travelled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Mori at Shechem. At that time the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Thank you. Thanks, Betty. Well, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Uh, if you have read back before in the Bible, if you want to do that sometime, it's worth doing that to see where, how we got to here. Uh, if you remember in Genesis chapter 1 to 3, we hear about God creating the world, and that's where we did Genesis 1, 27 the other day. Uh, the world was good when God created it, and he actually said it was very good. But then uh, chapter 3 came, Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to disobey God, they ate the fruit, Disobedience meant that they had to be outside of God's presence. They were shut out of the garden and there were, from then on the world was broken basically. Uh, and from then on God even there in that part tells us part of his plan. He says at one point in time Satan who caused them to disobey God, who tempted them to disobey God, uh, he will be crushed uh, by someone who comes from the seed of man. It's a picture of what Jesus will do. But then from chapter 3 onwards in Genesis, basically you get this continual cycle of how the world is broken. Uh, we'll see Adam and Eve go out, they have kids, but then Cain and Abel, there's murder. That goes on, then we see that the people grow and they get more and more and more people, but then they get really, really more and more disobedient to God, and so Noah comes and the flood. And then we see that after that, from the children of Noah... 
Uh, the nations grow again. They get out, they get bigger, bigger, bigger. Then they start to disobey God more and more and more. And then we get the Tower of Babel and then God disperses them and sends them out. So there's this continual cycle of God giving them grace and allowing people to, to grow. They disobey God though. He brings judgment, but then he brings grace again. He saves people. Uh, they grow, they disobey God, he brings judgment, then he brings grace, he saves his people. There's a continual cycle runs through Genesis 1 to 11. And at the, Genesis, at the end of Genesis 1 to 11, we're just not sure what's going to happen. How's this going to keep going, God? What, how can this keep working out? Well, at the end of chapter 11, we start to see that God brings in his big plan. Uh, Abram's there with his father, Terah, and they've gone into the land of Haran and they've set up, they've got their house, well, their house, they've got their lands, they're organised, they've settled in a sense, they've got all their flocks, they're starting to grow and multiply and become a, a, a group of people. And then in the middle of that, God steps in and speaks to Abram. That would have been pretty scary, wouldn't it? I don't know whether you've ever had God speak to you. I haven't had him verbally speak to me that way, but imagine if he did. I think you'd be taking notice, wouldn't you? And so he does. He steps in and he speaks to Abram and he tells him and he gives him some promises. Uh, and he makes a number of promises to Abram here in verses 1 to 3 is what we're going to look at and are the promises that God is going to keep all the way through to the end of the Bible and even all the way through to the end of time. These are the promises that God is going to work his plan out on. Uh, these promises are called a covenant in the Bible. A covenant is like a legal document. It's like where you sit down with a group of people, you set out what this is, uh, what you have to do, what are the things you're going to do about it, and uh, the consequences if you don't keep it. So it's like a legal document, basically. And God sets out a legal document with Abraham about his promises. It's a covenant that he makes with him. That if you obey me, then this will be the blessings that you'll have. If you obey me, then this is what's going to happen. He does this in here in chapter 12. And if you want to flip across later and have a look at chapter 15... He restates it and then in chapter 17 he comes in with, some would say, a sneaky one but he adds a little bit to the covenant and he says that not only am I going to promise you this but I'm actually going to promise that if you get circumcised then I'm also going to keep this covenant. That's the fine print in the one, isn't it? I'm not too sure whether Abram knew that was going to happen and if he had a signed document after the circumcision bit but he did uh, and it goes on from there. So this is the promises that God makes. This is his covenant that he makes with Abraham and it's his promise that he makes to you and I as well. It's a promise that he makes to the world. And it's the promise that he's going to keep. And this promise has four elements to it. Let me help you to show you what they are. Uh, four headings. This is, this, is, this is what's going to help you understand it, hopefully, and help you summarise it. And I'm going to let you off. You can learn this summary rather than the verses, but you can learn the verses as well if you like. Uh, so what God does here is he makes four, four, four things, four points. Firstly, he says but I'll make you a great nation. See that in verse 2? He says, I'll make you into a great nation. Abraham has no kids at this point in time. He's probably 60 years old or more. He has no children. God says, if you obey me, head off, do this, then I'm going to, give, I'm going to make you into a great people. So it's God's people, God's people uh, in God's land. Back in verse 1, I will uh, leave your father's house and go to the land I will show you. I'll give you a land. So it's God's people in God's place in his land and uh, under this, which you'll see a little bit, under God's rule. So under this is that you obey, there's obedience, is the underlying part of this. 
we, I'm going to show a little bit more how that comes out a little bit later. And the fourth one is that you'll be a blessing to the nations. See that in verse 3, I'll bless you, those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I'll curse you, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you, that you will be a blessing to the nation. So the promise that God makes is that he's going to have God's people in God's place under his rule, and it's going to be a blessing to the world. That's the covenant. That's the promise. And this is the promise that God's going to keep. And he's going to work to keep this promise throughout the whole of the Bible and throughout all eternity. That he's going to have his people in his place under his rule. And while we're here on earth, we're going to be a blessing to all those around us. All right, let me unpack that for you quickly this morning. Uh, this, is, this could take us a whole... We could actually run a whole course on this which is what our, a lot of our groundwork course that some of the guys did with us earlier this year, half of it was on this. All right, let's have a look at why we say that it's God's, uh, uh, God's people. We'll go to that one. God's people, God's nation. So we'll see that one first. Uh, as I said, this is a huge point for Abram at this point in time because he hasn't got any kids. Uh, he's not, he hasn't got any Sarah's barren as far as we know at this point in time. It's not until we get to chapter 17, they still haven't had any kids. It's probably 30 years later and God tells him that you're going to have a great nation still. So 30 years between when he promises and 30 years when he reaffirms it, but yet Abraham's had no kids. How's he going to do this? Well, we find out in the end of chapter 17 that God steps in when Abraham's 99, Sarah's probably almost the same, past their prime, people would say, uh, but 90 might be the new 30 uh, back in those days, but they're past their prime. They shouldn't be able to have kids, but they do. But it's not just this one kid, it's not just through this, because you see that these people that God is talking about are not just physical descendants of Abraham, but descendants who have the same faith as Abraham. When you get to chapter 15, you see that uh, God speaks to him and Abraham believes him and it's credited to him as righteousness. His faith is credited to him as righteousness. This is what's going to be his nations. They're going to be people in the line of Abraham, in the faith of Abraham which he's going to see a little bit later as we go on. So these people are going to be there. Uh, and this can only happen if God does this miracle in Abraham's life. So have a quick look at uh, chapter 15, verse 7, if you've got it there, and see what he says there. Oh, I've jumped one. Sorry, sorry, go back just a little bit. Uh, no, no, that's right. It is. Uh, verse 5, he took him outside, look up to the heavens, he said, and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. So it's verse 5, not 7. Uh, so he's saying that you're going to have people that are going to be even more than the stars. There's going to be people in your line of the faith of Abraham. They're going to be like this. And he says there, verse 6, and Abraham believed the Lord and he credited him as righteousness. He put his faith in God. He trusted in God and that is what we are to do too, to have faith in him. And if we have faith in the Lord, then we are in the line of Abraham. Uh, you can check that out in Galatians if you like a little bit later. So we're going to have a people, we're going to have a nation and it's going to go out. And if you look at later on in chapter 18 and, and chapter 21, it starts to grow. Abraham's line starts to get bigger and the people do start to grow out of that. And by the time you get to the end of, of Genesis, of Joseph's time, you see that the Abraham's people, the Israelites, are a multitude, millions of people. So it starts to grow. 
His nation gets bigger and bigger. And so Abram's name gets changed. He gets changed from Abram, which means uh, exalted father, to Abraham, which means the father of multitudes. He's going to be the father of many, many people. Um, So he's going to be a nation. There's going to be a people, God's people. And we start to see that being fulfilled in Abraham. But we're not going to see it later. I'm going to try and show you how we see that in fulfilment a little bit later down the track. So God's people in God's place. So he promises them a land. He says in verse 2 there back in Genesis chapter 12, I will show you a land. In Genesis chapter 15 verse 7 he says, I will give you a land. So God is going to provide a place for them. Uh, if Abram was a nomad at this point in time, he used to just travel around all over the place, they didn't have a home. So God's promise to Abraham is that he's going to have a place to call his own. We all like that option, don't we? We like that sense that we're going to have a place that is ours, a place where we can call home. I don't know, many of you remember Colin Bullock? Uh, Colin is a, a guy from Evans Head. He wrote a number of albums. And he wrote a song about Evans Head called Old Man Evans. And it's all about how he feels that this place, not his home, his house, but this area, his home. And it's like that, isn't it? It's not just the house. It's not just the building but it's a place that we call home. And we all want to have a place that we call home. God says to Abraham that you will have a home, a place that will be yours. We're going to find out that you and I have a home too, a place that is ours. We'll see that a little bit later. And so he goes off and he heads off and in those verses that we read from uh, B read to us and he ends up in Canaan, which is the promised land, we're going to find out a little bit later. That's where Israel ends up being, Jerusalem, all those areas around that place. Uh, he goes there, he goes to this land and he starts to set up his house and set up his home and that becomes his land. Uh, we're going to find they get kicked out of that over time and come back to it. But that was the place. So it's going to be God's people, a nation, in God's place, under God's rule. Now we don't see that directly from chapter 12 there in a sense, but it's got to be the obedience part of it, isn't it? they're going to be God's people and going to God's place where he's placed them, then you're going to be obedient within that. But if you turn across uh, to chapter 17, verse 7 and 8, you'll see that becomes more clear. Sorry to jump you around the Bible a bit, but we're trying to give you how it all works out. So chapter 17, verse 7 and 8 says this. Uh, this is God speaking to Abraham, re-establishing his covenant. He says, I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you and your descendants after you for the generations to come to be your God and the God of your descendants after you. And the whole land of Canaan where you are now and own, I will give as an everlasting possession to you and your descendants after you and I will be their God. I will be their God means that I will be the one that is their king. I will rule over them and they will be obedient to me. I'll give you this place, this land under my rule. And that's going to be the best place ever ultimately. Sitting in and living under God's rule, being obedient to him, is the best place we can be. We're going to see it takes a long time to get to that stage. Uh, But if you see, God's people in God's place, under God's rule, is the picture of what? Heaven, yeah, but jump backwards. No, not yet. Eden, isn't it? It's Eden. So this promise that God gives in chapter 12 to Abraham, I don't know how many years since, uh, since uh, Genesis chapter 1, but a long time after Genesis chapter 1, is exactly the picture of what it was like in the Garden of Eden before sin. 
God's people, Adam and Eve, in God's place, in the garden, under God's rule, living underneath him, obeying him, living with him. And it was good. It was very good. So you see how this promise goes back to Eden but points us forward to heaven and takes us there. We're going to look at Revelation 21 a little bit later. So see how this promise is so important to how the Bible fits together. It takes us back to Eden. And what we're going to see from here on in, if you read the rest of the Bible and you had this in your brain, it's God's people under, in God's place under God's rule to be God's blessing to the nations, you can read that all the way through the whole of the Bible because that's what the Bible's about. How God establishes that. And so the fourth one is to be a blessing to the nations, isn't it? So there in the last part he says, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So through Abram, through Abraham, everyone in the world will be blessed. And when you get to Matthew chapter 1, in the New Testament, when you hear the genealogy of Jesus, who is the first one mentioned? Abraham. Jesus is in the line of Abraham. Who's going to be the blessing to the world? It's going to be Jesus. But not only Jesus, but God's people. So his nation, these people are going to be a blessing to the world because they're going to bring the message of God or the message of Jesus to the world. In a sense, God's people in this world, part of their role is to bless the world. Our role in this world is to bless the world. A blessing to the nations. God's people in God's place under God's rule to be a blessing to the nations. That's Genesis chapter 12 verses 1 to 3. This is the promise of God. This is the covenant of God. And this is the promise that God is going to keep all through the Bible and into eternity. This is the promises that God's going to keep today. So let's give me a quick rundown of how that works. We'll just run through the Bible. I'll very quickly touch base with you and show you how that works out. So what happens after this? Abraham's nation grows, gets to the end of Genesis. Joseph, there's thousands, millions of people in the line of Abraham, but they're not in their land yet. But they're under Egypt. And what happens in Exodus? Uh, the next book that comes along in the Bible... God says, I hear the plea of my people and I'm going to put them in my land. So what happens in Exodus is a story of how God's people, Israel at that point in time, get taken out of Egypt and they get placed and they go to the promised land. But they don't get there for a long time, do they? Forty years it takes them to get there because they keep mucking up. And so eventually though, God says, I'm going to put you there and he places them in the land. And so it almost looks like by the end of the Exodus, by the time you get to Samuel, by the time you get to Kings in the middle of it and Chronicles, it looks like promises of God are going to happen. And you get to David and you get to Solomon, the kings, and the, the country's running well, it looks great. Uh, there's God's people, there's huge numbers of them, they're in God's land, they're in Israel, Jerusalem, that sort of time, and they've got, uh, they're under his rule generally, they're being a blessing because people are coming to Solomon. Remember what's happened to Solomon? People come to him because of his wisdom and amazing and they say, your God has got to be the God. But then he goes off the edge again. Uh, Solomon mucks up, he marries too many women. A message for all of us. Don't worry, marry too many women, it's going to destroy you. Uh, Solomon marries lots of women and he has lots of horses, so don't have that either, all right? One horse is enough. 
don't have lots of horses, don't have lots of women. Uh, he goes downhill and so what happens is they get kicked out of the land. The exile comes. Well, they go out of the land, they're dispersed throughout the nations and then when you get close to the end of the, uh, of the Old Testament, God actually starts to bring them back. Uh, Cyrus is the king of Persia and he sends people back to the land. Nehemiah comes in, he builds a wall, he builds the, the, the city and it looks like maybe this is the fulfilment of the promises, uh, but no, it doesn't happen. They don't, they muck up again and for 400 years from the end of the Old Testament to the start of the New Testament, God goes quiet on them. They don't hear from him for, for ages. So is it going to work? Is God's promises to Abraham thousands of years before, are they going to come to fruition? Is this where it's going to happen? And so people are wondering about that in Jesus' time. Before he's born, people are looking for signs for this great kingdom to come in. And so in Matthew chapter 1, we hear that this Jesus is from the line of Abraham. He's from the line of David, the king. Could this be the one that's going to bring about God's kingdom? Could this be the one that's going to bring about God's people into God's place under God's rule? And could this be the blessing to the nations? Well, yes, he is. When you read through Matthew, when you read through Mark, when you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus is the one that brings in the kingdom. Uh, Jesus says to him, the kingdom is near. Repent and believe. Uh, And he says, this is it. And then Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. You only come to the Father through me. You only become part of God's family, God's people through me. Jesus is the fulfilment of God's promises. He is the one that brings the nations in. He is the one that brings people into the land, which is no longer a physical land anymore, is it? It is now into God's kingdom, which is eternal land, which is heaven. Under God's rule, he gives us the spirit now so that we can live for God under his rule. And he is the blessing to the nations because he is the good news. The nations need to hear. The world needs to hear. And we, when we put our trust and faith in him, are in the line of Abraham. We have our faith in a God who saves us through Jesus. And so God's promises see their fulfilment in Jesus. Uh, In 2 Corinthians, let me try and remember exactly the passage for you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20. Paul says, all God's promises are yes in Jesus. Are yes in Jesus. He is the fulfilment of God's promises. Because now, no longer is it just Israel, the people, but it goes to the nations, to everyone can come to know God through Jesus. It's no longer just a national thing. It's a worldwide movement. And when you see Acts and the rest of the New Testament, it's about how the message of that goes out into the whole world and people from everywhere put their trust in Jesus and come in to God's kingdom to be his people in his place under his rule to be a blessing to everyone. There's a very big, quick picture of what they call biblical theology of how God has the promises that run all the way through to eternity. And listen to Revelation 21 for you because this is what it's going to be in eternity, in heaven, in the new earth, when it all comes to fruition. And listen for the promises to be fulfilled. 
Revelation 21 says this, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from, from God, prepared, by, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with man and he will live with them. They will be his people and God himself will be there with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or pawning or crying or pain for the old order of things have passed away. God's people in God's place under God's rule. They no longer need to be a blessing to the nations because the nations are there. You see that? It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? God's promises come to fruition. God's promises made to Abraham thousands of years ago are going to come to fruition. He's going to bring them to that place. And if we have our trust in Jesus, then we're going to be there with him. We get a taste of it now. We're going to experience it completely when we're in eternity with him. God's place, God's people, sorry, in God's place under God's rule to be a blessing to the nations. So what's a couple of things we can apply out of that apart from just knowing that verse and seeing that that uh, applies throughout it? Uh, one of the things I think we can get out of this is that God is a God of history. Someone used to say it's his story, that the whole of the world is God working out his plan. This plan is what's going on now. We may not see that in one sense because we see all this chaos, we see things happening all over the place, see people destroying one another, we see a famine, we see a government making a mess of it, we see things happening around us, you think, man, what is going on here? Well, God is working out this plan. God is working out his promises to draw more people to know him, to come under his rule, to be in his place in eternity. He's bringing together his people now so that we can be a blessing to the world. God is working out his plan. He hasn't taken his hand off the throttle. He hasn't taken his hand off the world. We're not just rolling along as we think mindly and blindly. God is involved intimately in this world right now working out his plan. And part of his plans I just glimpsed on there is that God is on a mission. Uh, the old blues brother said, I'm on a mission from God. Well, God is the mission. He's on a mission. And his mission is to gather the nations together and bring his people together. His mission is to see that more and more people in this world come to know Jesus. Because when they come to know Jesus, they're brought into his kingdom and they will be his forever and they will experience him for eternity. And he wants people to experience that desires people to experience that. And you know who he uses to get to encourage people to do that? Us. His people are to be a blessing to the world by bringing that to the world. You see, that's where we fit in the plan. We are part of God's plan. We are in that plan. We are here now. It is no accident that you're sitting here this morning. It is no accident that you are in this town today. It is no accident that you live wherever you may live. You are put there by God because here's a plan for you, if you know Jesus, to be a blessing to the world. If you don't know Jesus, he wants you to know Jesus. 
That's why you're there. He desires you to know him. And if you do know him, he desires you to make sure you let other people know him. That we are to be in our communities. We are in our communities to be a blessing to our community, to love our community, to show that God has created these people and that they'll only truly know what life is about if they're in relationship with that God. And the only way they can have that is in Jesus. And as we've been talking about as a church all through first term, that we can do that by loving people beyond their expectations. Beyond our own expectations. Jesus said, you'll know their disciples by the way they love one another. People were coming to know Jesus in Acts chapter 2 and 3. Well, how were they coming to know Jesus? Because they were blown away by the way that their disciples love one another. The followers of Jesus love one another. We are not here by accident, guys. This plan, this promise, this covenant that God set about with Abraham is happening right here and now with you and I. We're part of it. How exciting is that? This is something that's been said thousands and thousands of years ago and it's coming now, it's, it's happening here and now with us. We want to praise God for that, don't we? That he hasn't given up. He hasn't dropped the ball. He's not like the ab swinger who doesn't really get there. He's not like the moo juice or whatever it was with the anti-raging, wrinkling thing. He has the antidote to ageing completely, doesn't he? In Jesus. And you're part of it. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. Great verses to memorise if you memorise the whole lot. That's great. If you can't, then memorise this sentence. God's promises to the world, his plan for the world, is that there will be God's people in God's place under God's rule to be a blessing to the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just take a moment to allow that all to settle in and to uh, just gel within us, Lord, because that's... Think of the promises that you make and to see how they come to fruition, Lord, is just mind-blowing. Lord, it's, a, it's amazing. It really is. Uh, help us to trust that, Lord. Help us to put faith in you, Lord. Help us to be like Abraham who steps out and obeys you, Lord, and follows you to the, to the land that you've given him. Help us to have that trust, Lord, to step out for you in the communities that you've placed us, in the world that you've put us, Lord, so that we can encourage more and more people to come to know Jesus, the fulfilment of your promises, Lord, so that they can be your people, so that they will be in eternity in your land in heaven forever, that they will live with you as their king, as you ruling them, and that together, Lord, we will be a blessing to the world around us. We pray that you'll enable us to do that, Lord, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.